This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sikar on FM 94.1 The Voice. Ready for the word for today? Awesome, I'm excited for this. We're starting a new series. I'm calling it What Happens After I Die. And um, it's not a series that we're going through to gross you out, to freak you out, to frighten you. Uh, We're not doing this because we're scared of death. Please listen to me. We're doing this because oftentimes you can get so distracted with the fear of death that you forget how to live. Many Christians have a lot of questions about death, but we're too timid to ask these questions because if we go to a pastor and say, so tell me about death. I'd be like, are you suicidal, man? Should I call you dad? You know, are you okay? You know, and we, we typically don't talk about this. And even when we do talk about this, we only talk about it in funerals. And oftentimes our views on death are so skewed like the movie A Wonderful Life. It's a wonderful movie, but its theology is warped and wrong. Uh, from childhood, we grow up watching cartoons and we have an, an understanding of death which can be very skewed. And I want to take five weeks to talk about what happens after I die so that you'll have the courage to live life to its fullest and not fear this certain end that you and I will face. Um, I'm calling it what happens after I die because I've spent a lot of time uh, pondering that question. And I'm really excited to tell you that only in the Christian faith, only in the Bible, will you find answers to questions like this. And it's such a shame that we don't talk about this in church. Because every other worldview has the right questions but do not have the answers. And we'll unpack that in just a little bit. And what I'm going to do is there's five words over there. What happens after I die? And we're going to unpack each word for the five weeks. Today we're going to be talking about the what. What is death? And then we're going to be talking about what happens then? What happens after I die? What happens when I breathe my last? And then we're going to be talking about the after. Okay, so is that judgment? Is there annihilation? Is there permanent suffering? What is it? And how can good God do something like this? We'll talk about the after and then we'll talk about the I. About the person. What happens to this body? What happens to saints who died before? What happened to David and Abraham? And what happened to Jesus' body? What happens to the person that that I am? And then we'll talk about die. The very last uh, week, we're going to be talking about death. The stench of death. And we have to talk about the stolen grave. My hope and goal is that you will have a newfound courage, a newfound chutzpah, courage to be able to say, sun stand still kind of courage. Newfound courage to be able to face death head on so that you can live the life that God's calling you to live. Oftentimes we fear the calling of God because you're worried about death. You're worried about how would this all end? Will this end poorly? Is this wise? Is it not wise? And there's so many different things that surround us. I've said this before multiple times. Here in America, everything is driven by fear. Do you know that? Everything is driven by fear. I was shocked when I came to this country of how much fearful people are. Example, you got to have insurance. Why? In case you get sick, you need insurance. Otherwise, they will take your house away from you. Hey, but what if your insurance doesn't cover you? Aflac. <laughs> Supplemental insurance. Okay, you don't find that funny because you're in this country. I find that extremely funny. You already have insurance. Why do you need supplemental insurance? Because we're frightened. We're frightened. Hey, you bought a new car. Do you want to buy the extended warranty? Because you don't trust the manufacturers in case your engine goes kaput. uh, They'll be able to cover you something. And so just so you know, I did have Aflac for a little bit because the sales pitch was great. And I have a son who trips and falls on his own shadow and breaks bones. And he did fall and break his bones. You know what I got in return? Nothing. It's all a bunch of lies, but they will feed you with fear. My hope is not to feed you with fear. So rest at ease. Take a deep breath. This is not for you to be frightened when you see skulls and flowers and we're talking about death and the grave. No, 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 no. This is for you to get excited for what God has in store for you beyond the grave. Um, If you noticed our fantastic background, um, I told Sierra my vision is I want it to look deadly. 
and she did a killer job. I heard that. I heard that. That was terrible. No, I think that was great. I think that was fantastic. What can I say? I had the gift of preaching, not the gift of a stand-up comedian. Praise God for that. If you cannot tell, and if you're first time over here and you're first time watching me, I'm not from America. I'm from India, and、um, I'd never seen snow until I came to Idaho, and it was fascinating. This beautiful white, cold substance that was extremely slippery. Don't ask me how I found out. And、um, And there was one day when it was snowing like crazy, or there was a, a whole week about ten years ago was snowing like crazy. My father-in-law, new father-in-law,、uh, decided to take time off work and take me skiing. I was really excited. I'd never, like I said, I'd never been on snow, never been on skis, but I do have a sense of adventure. So I got on YouTube and I was watching all the instructional videos on how to ski. And apparently, all you need to know to ski is French fries and pizza pies. That's all you need to know. French fries, pizza pies. In essence, what it is is not a skiing instruction over here. So do this at your own risk. Okay?、Um, if you keep your skis straight, you go fast. Okay? That's French fries. You turn it inwards towards you. You start to slow down, and you can actually come to a halt. And what do you know? It actually works. So my father-in-law and I we drove up to the you know the slopes like the cool kids call it. And I got my skis on and everything. Actually, I was going to put a picture up of that, but I forgot. Anyways, I'll put it up on social media this week. And、um, And it actually worked. We went on the, the little bunny slopes, right? The kids, the, all the kids over there, and this giant brown guy, you know, doing his French fries and pizza pies. Actually, true story. Even before I went up on the mountains, I practiced it in front of the mirror because I wanted to look good in the pictures, right? I'm like French fries, pizza pies, French fries, pizza pies. And and when I went on the slope, I was like, this is actually pretty great. This is actually pretty cool. Like you know, like I'm able to go down, I'm able to stop. And after a few tries, my father and I looked at each other, and we knew exactly what we were thinking. We were ready for the big slopes. We were ready to take on the cool kids, you know. So let's go. We started to kind of, you know, wobble up to this crazy thing that I never anticipated or expected. It is a ski lift. <laughs> Now you need to know something about me. I am extremely frightened of heights. Okay, even standing up over here, I'm terrified. Now I'm kidding. Okay, I don't like heights. I love adventure. I love riding my dirt bike. I love going up in the mountains, but I'm terrified of heights. I just don't like heights at all. And Watching the ski lift and watching how high it was going, it made my heart race like crazy. So I asked my father-in-law. I said, "Hey,、uh, what do I need to know? Getting on this, getting off?" He said, "Oh, it's just timing. It's all about timing. Just stand there. It'll just lift you off, off your feet. Just sit there, and then it's just timing just to get off." So I went there, stood there, and fair enough, it you know came right under me. I was up. Boy, I could feel like this butterflies in my tummy as I'm going over these crazy heights, and I was like, "Why am I doing this?" And then I see the end. Where I had to get off, my heart starts racing, and he said, "It's just timing, Joel. It's just stepping off. It was just stepping off. It's just stepping off. It was my turn. There was stepping. There was no off. I went face first into the snow, and then I'm worried because I didn't want the cradle to hit my head. So I'm like ducking down because it's safe. Is it safe? And I look like an idiot over there, you know. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to crawl like army crawl, even though the thing is like way gone. I'm trying to get up. It was terrible. But then French fries, pizza pies, it worked well. And he's like, let's go back again.、And、I was like, man, I really don't want to get in the lift. He's like, no, 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 come on, come on, it's easy. It's just timing. It's just timing. And you know what? Every single time, I fell, and I didn't just fall. I even started to trip my father-in-law because my ski poles will get him, and he'll go face first too. There was no stepping off, man. It was terrible. And that was the last time I went skiing, or went on the mountain, or tried snowboarding, or anything adventurous up in the mountains. True story. 
What does this have to do with our topic of what happens after I die? You see, oftentimes in church, we talk about the French fries and the pizza pies on how to go down the slopes of life and how to, you know, deal with sickness and deal with sorrow. Last year, we spoke about how to deal with anxiety and depression. All that is good. But we also have to talk about, are you ready to gracefully make your exit when it's your turn? Or are you going to be tripping people up and scared and anxious and not actually able to enjoy your French fries and pizza pies? Take a deep breath. What a gift. And one day you'll breathe in, breathe out, and that'll be it. I have five kids, and with each and every one of my kids this week, I actually remembered, went back in time and remembered their very first breath when they were born. Their very, very, very first breath. It was so fascinating when my first son was born. He was such an angry guy. He looked like an angry Mexican. And he's brown and you're like, Rah! and it's funny when babies are, sorry if that was offensive, I don't know. He did look like that. Okay, fine. He looked like an angry Gandhi, okay? There we go. Okay. Okay, anyways, people in India, forgive me. My, this might be my last breath right now. And, and, and it's so funny. I mean, parents, you know what I'm talking about. They get so angry when they're born, like, and they shake their little hands, and, and it's so sweet, and you're like, you're an angry little bugger, you know, come, let me feed you, you'll be quiet in a while, and then they sleep, and they grunt, and they snort, and I remember my wife, even though she'd gone through labor, she's laughing at this little child, and, you know, we have friends that just recently had a baby, and I'm sure you're giggling to yourself right now, you're like, it's actually true, they're kind of crazy, but now once as a parent, we stop to look at this child and know that one day, they will breathe their last. In fact, as a parent, there are many times I push this thought out of my mind because it's very, very, very scary for us to think about this. And today we're going to actually uh, talk about this head-on, not what do you do through the slopes and the highs and lows of life, but what do you do when that lift comes to an end? What do you do when you breathe your last? So the first thing we're going to unpack is death defined. What is this death? What is it? In its most simplest form, death is the end of a person's life. If you want to unpack it a little deeper, you could say it's a separation of the soul from the body. The body will drop to the ground, but the spirit will rise up. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27, it says, everyone must die once, and after that, be judged by God. Everyone will die once. Everybody is going to die. It is a natural thing that happens to us. This is something that every single person will face. They'll come to the end of their life. If you just want to define death in the simplest form, it's the end of a person's life. If you want to get a little deeper, it is the separation of the soul from the body. Your body will drop to the ground like a used paper that's been crumpled up and thrown in the trash, and your spirit leaves the body. There was a story that I was reading this week, a family that was um, vacationing by the ocean, and the four-year-old came running to his dad and grabbed his father's hand and, and pulled him because he wanted to show his dad something, and he pointed to a dead seagull. And the little boy looks at the dead seagull and looks at his dad and he says, what happened? And the father looks at it and he says, well, he, he died. He's dead. The boy wasn't happy. He said, well, he died and he went to heaven. The boy looks at it again, looks at the dad and he says, did God throw it back? Hey, what's it still doing over here, you know? And oftentimes when you look at a dead body, when you look at a person who's dead, when you look at anything that's dead, it almost seems like something that was rejected by God. It looks like something that... It's just rotting, it's dying, it's decaying, it's, there's no animation to it. It feels like it's, it's rejected by God. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. The body returns to the dust. It's so crazy. It's kind of like that seagull sitting over there, like it's been rejected by God. James uses the same analogy as an example, as an illustration of faith when he says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. 
this debt, you need to know, first of all, as we define debt, is even though it's something that we all face, it is foreign to us. That's why children are surprised by death. My son, the first time he saw a fly that was dead, he looked at it and he looked at me like the kid with the seagull. I said, what happened? And he actually asked me this. He says, did it run out of batteries? I mean, it shows what our kids play with most of the time, right? Just put new batteries and it'll begin to fly again. It is a foreign concept to us because we were not created to die. This death, this separation is not natural for us. I want you to know this. As we define death, in its simplest form, yes, it is a person coming to the end of their life. It's a spirit leaving the body, but death is not natural. That's why we're always surprised by death. John chapter 11, we see Jesus away. He gets news that his friend Lazarus was sick. And he waits, and then he begins to make his journey to Bethany, where Lazarus was, and knowing very well that his friend had died. And he goes over there. Jesus knows that Lazarus is already dead, but he goes there, and he sees his sisters, Mary and Martha, weeping. And look at this in verse 33 in John chapter 11. It says, when Jesus saw her, that's Mary, weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. Now, a good translation, a good word over there is indignant. In fact, that's what the word means. He was indignant, which means he was arose by anger about something unjust, something not right. He was arose with anger in his spirit and greatly troubled, the Bible says. And that's where you see the shortest verse in the Bible where it says Jesus wept. As a person in ministry, as a person who, who preaches and shares God's word, I've had the privilege of praying for uh, many loved ones who were on their deathbed and even... You know, conducting funeral services and my first memorial service was for a baby that didn't make it my very first one it's it's really sad when you stand you know with loved ones sitting over there and death staring you in the face when you talk to people who've lost loved ones you'd find out that they never really get over the loss of a loved one it's because death is not natural for us we were not created to die. Sickness is not natural. Old age is not natural. Paul even calls death our enemy. Look at this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, it says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. It's an enemy. And this death being destroyed, the Bible says that we all long for it. We desire for it. It's a foreign invasion into God's beautiful creation. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store.